Hello everyone, and uh, welcome to episode 12, I think it is Rob, the, uh, the Imperfect Parenting Podcast. Um, as always, and I know I say this almost every time, but as always, it's so good to be here. Um, and I feel like I've, I am, um, I know I said this in a previous episode as well, but I, I really need to re-listen to some of these. And, and, and maybe it's something that other people feel the same way, is there's been so much to take in over these last 12 episodes that I, yeah, I am. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of go back and and re-listen and 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 rethink and just remind myself of some of the things that that I think are so powerful and valuable uh, to my parenting journey. Uh, but one question that came up in the last the last podcast for me, and and I've I've been sort of burning to ask you, is so we spoke about asking your child. You know, getting to that second level and understanding, helping them become aware of their emotions and what's going on inside of them, their feelings. Uh, once they tell you that, once once you're kind of there, what do you what do you do then, Rob? <laughs> yeah, such an important question. Um, what do we do with our children's difficulties? What do we do when they start to be honest about how they feel? And um, Yes, it's not, and it's important to understand that we, we take it forward. And if I was to give a simple framework, really what you're looking at is task one would be around promoting understanding. We want to understand our kids. We want to see what they're thinking and also what they're feeling. Um, and we, we also want them to understand themselves better. And they're going to understand themselves better by talking with us. And that task, that uh, promoting understanding, Genuinely, it's not to be underestimated. Um, when I, I work a lot with parents and their children, they sit with me here in the office together. And it's very often, this is the step that people mostly skip over. Mostly parents are too quick to assume that they understand and too quick to jump forward to next, next steps, which I do want to talk about um, in a moment. But let me just say the reason why I'm going on about understanding is that it gives you such a powerful platform to, to guide your child uh, further. So that would be the, the first step is to promote understanding. Um, and from there, what we're wanting to help our child learn is containing really, learning how to contain how they feel. Because whilst emotions are really important, they're a very important units of information. We do want our children to listen to them, to their own emotions. Um, we want to listen to our children's emotions. But they can't be the dominant, dominant voice, not the only, uh, if you like, logic, emotional logic. So to go back to last episode, you know, I hit Emily because I was cross. Well, that won't really cut it, you know. <laughs> it won't work like that. So... Step two is around containing that feeling. But what I want to say, and I see it all the time, is that by containing, I mean that the child gets to, gets to feel in control of that feeling. That feeling doesn't dominate them where they're in a very reactive, you know, chaotic space. And what I've seen is that as long as we take the step of understanding, it's almost like a seamless thing that our children start to feel calm enough to go forward in a better way. So containing is something that happens automatically, but it doesn't if the child is met by a lack of understanding. So the lack of understanding oftentimes can escalate or bury the feeling deep and it's going to come back and bite at a later stage. 
So step two for me is that we just want to make sure that our child is contained. So let's say, for instance, that you, you know, you chat with Caleb, you know, at the end of his day. Now he's, he's in bed, perhaps, or maybe it's not quite there yet sometime after supper. And he does start to cry again, you know, and gets upset. You think, oh, my word, it's stuck kind of come close to bedtime and Sam looks at you, you know, what have you done? You know, you're supposed to get ready for bed and now you've made him cry, you know, what's going on? So it can happen that when we remember things that upset us or we talk about them, then those feelings resurface. But again, I feel like if a child is in a accepting, loving space where they're getting the chance to feel understood, then you'll see very quickly that the child moves towards, you know, feeling regulated, contained. Yes, they did feel like that. They perhaps do still feel a bit like that. They're not delighted by the fact that Tuesday's, you know, coming around, but, but they're, they're more contained. And um, that's important. Um, you know, it can also involve, and it does also involve, very importantly, touch, holding, um, hugs, um, uh, patting on the back or stroking the back while the child is talking. So, you know, that's really important as well. And uh, to be honest, teenagers as well, don't forget those those hairy, sometimes scary creatures. They need that as well, much more than they like to let on. So when a teenager is talking from the heart, very often... I mean, it might be the mom, but it can sometimes be the dad where they need a hug while they're talking as well or to be held um, by people who love him or her, you know, the most in the world. So that kind of containing would be step two. So Rob, maybe you could explain a little bit more on on what you mean by containing So and, and, and how that works in terms of the seamlessness that, that you talk about. I think I understand a bit of it, but uh, it would be great to hear a little bit more about that. So what I'm implying is that when a child or any of us, for that matter, um, articulates or experiences emotion, you don't want unbridled or chaotic or, you know, emotion that's just running rampant, you know, so that's scary. You don't want a person, any of us, to be out of control. That's really, really not not a nice, not a pretty picture. So... Um, Having an emotion is going to happen, it's welcome to the human race, but can we contain that emotion? Because we need to, to be social creatures. If we can't get on top of or work with our emotions intelligently, well, then we're going to have, you know, really hard lives and people are going to battle with us because we're, in a sense, dangerous, you know, because we're going to cause cause trouble or hurt um, in our social interactions. So one of the things that, that I've tried to do that was mentioned to me, um, I think I might have read it actually, was um, when I'm feeling some intense emotion inside of me uh, is to is to imagine it as a river. I'm standing in the middle of a river and the river's flowing. I think I might have mentioned this before, but I don't know if I have. Um, and the river's flowing, you know, strongly, like, like rapids um, uh, past me. And to try and imagine myself stepping out of that river and seeing that emotion for what it is because it doesn't have to be me and doesn't have to just sweep me away. And I found that to be quite a helpful image to talk to, certainly to Caleb about, but I just, I wondered what you thought of that. Yes, I think it is a nice image and an image of a river is a, is a good one for emotions. And the fact is that you are going to get those white water sections. So it's about realizing that it's going to happen and you can't stop it. It's very powerful. It's about letting that flow towards calmer stretches. The other thing that you're doing with your mind, though, is you are, are realizing 
that your emotion is only a part of you because what you're doing and you're learning to watch your emotions so that stepping out onto the bank if you like and looking back at the river it would be um, an image of a person watching his distress or discomfort and that is a very useful thing to do and again when we talk to our children by talking with them about their emotions and looking at them if you like it's not quite objectively, but it's looking at and thinking about and talking about there is that psychological distance from the emotion. So if I can talk about my anger, then my anger isn't consuming me. It's not all of me because guess what? I'm actually talking about it with you. So there are other parts of me going, even though I might still be pretty ticked off. Yeah, that's really helpful. And and would you say it's helpful to talk to teenagers and uh, with those kind of images as well? Or are you more interested in actually just talking about the emotion and, and what's actually going on at the time? Uh, I think we must use metaphors and images as much as we can. Um, you do make me at this stage think of Daniel Siegel's work, and he's done some wonderful work on children and adolescents and coping with emotions. Um, oftentimes, um, using a mindfulness frame which we can talk about another time but it is around this idea of staying open to emotion and not letting those emotions dominate but at the same time crucially not discounting them um, you know when folk have done research on, on parenting reactions to emotions um, there are three areas really that uh, people have identified as mistakes parents make regarding their children's emotions and the first would be that parents might dismiss I spoke about this before where we know it's there but we kind of hope it'll go if we just ignore it. common and popular um, strategy the second common strategy would be disapproval where our child's emotion it actually what it does is it makes us anxious and so we frown at those emotions we we give our children the message that those emotions are wrong or silly don't go there and uh, that can be also an unhelpful way of reacting. And the third, third would be what's called laissez-faire, which would be letting the child have the emotion and then leaving it, which goes back to what you said at the outset of this episode would be, let's say you and Caleb do a good emotional review of, of his day, and then you say, well, sweet dreams, bud, thanks for letting me know. It's good to know that you feel scared, worried, and a bit angry and annoyed, you know, that's great. And that isn't what we're wanting to do. We're wanting to take it forward. And uh, uh, we will do that um, in the next episode. But maybe I can just throw one more thing to you. And it's something that comes to mind. And I think I think a lot of us as parents have experienced. Uh, so you're in a shopping center. And there's big emotions. Uh, and there's everyone around you. And you... What do you do, Rob? What What do you do in a situation like that? Because obviously you talk about that number two of disapproval. How do you handle? Do you allow the child to express their their you know react? How do you go about something like that? <laughs> yes, that's right. And I, I guess really the the disapproval, and I think it's warranted. So you know you've got a child who's really just acting badly, and the disapproval is that the way they're acting in in reaction to their emotions. So they didn't get the toy. So they're feeling annoyed, um, you know, uh, irritated, uh, overlooked, whatever it might be. But the point would be that they're reacting badly to that. They're being um, jerks, you know, just publicly annoying. So we're allowed to be cross when our kids act badly. And we must be cross 
when our kids act badly in the in the face of emotions but it's not the emotion itself the child can is allowed to feel frustrated or annoyed that he didn't get the toy it's what he does with it though that we need to manage that we can disapprove of that we can say don't do that again and uh, you know don't mince our words when we say that i think we need to thanks rob and and so so i'm just going to repeat those the, the first one maybe you can repeat them the, the first the first one is yes so and we will talk about more about step three but we've kind of gone there now anyway so that's fine um so step one would be understanding and like i say don't don't shortchange that one don't jump in too quick step two happens seamlessly if we provide a forum for understanding um, and that would be containing it, it, it includes physical touch holding for younger kids picking them up taking them outside of the out, outside of the house you know if the child was in the supermarket acting out picking the child up and taking them out you know uh, to the car wait until they settle and then step three really is about talking more with our kids about what to do with that emotion um, and we will pick up that um, a bit more in the next episode.